Hi, welcome to Business Extra, Action Coach Bolton's podcast. Uh, today we're joined by the brilliant Mr. Michael Heppel. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much for having me, Paul. I'm excited. We've listened to you on various webinars. Um, I even remember listening to you on Chris Evans' um, show so many years ago when you were talking about Flip It. It's just a real pleasure. It was, to ele- have you here. It was eleven years ago, I think. Wow, About ten or eleven years ago, or something like that. Yeah, that was quite a day. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably the first time I remember hearing about you and one of your books. Do you know how that came about? Was it? Well, should probably just jump straight into a random discussion about something that happened before Christmas, or ten or eleven years ago. And I wrote Flip It, and when it launched, it did all right, but it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't a huge takeoff. And then Chris Evans got in touch via his, his show and said, I want to um, have Michael on the show. Would he be happy to come on and talk about his book, Flip It? Well, when you're an author and you know BBC Radio 2's Chris Evans wants you to go on his show, you're like, yep, no problem at all. So I offered to go down. He was like, no, no, we'll do it on the phone. I quite like doing it on the phone. I said, well, are you sure? Because I'm happy to pop, pop down. And they're like, no, no, we'll do it on the phone. That's great. So the researchers, they talk to you first of all. You don't actually get to talk to Chris until it's live on the show. And I was sat at home, and I'm all ready. I'm all excited. I'm upstairs. I'm in my little office. Christine's downstairs. She's listening to the radio. Came on straight after the news at 5 o'clock, and it said, Welcome to the Chris Evans Show. This show is brought to you by my Christmas book recommendation. It's a book called Flip It. It's absolutely brilliant. I recommend everybody should buy 10 copies for their friends, for their family, and I'm going to have the author on in about 20 minutes. And I remember going downstairs <laughs> and mouthing to Christine, F in hell, you know? <laughs> and she was going, get back up and do a good job. And he just raved, and he absolutely sold the book. And um, literally 15 days later, it was number one um, Sunday Times bestseller. And when people say, you know, oh, I've got a best-selling book, I always like to go, well, I've got a Sunday Times number one bestseller. You know, it's kind of that little one-upmanship between authors. And if any author knew how I got it, they would go, yeah, only because Chris Evans banged on about it. And I'd have to go, yeah, of course it was. I don't care how I got there. And you know, Lisa, you must have been doing loads of stuff before that. Do you think? Do you see that as a sort of a, a change point in your life? I think writing "How to Be Brilliant" was the big one. Yeah. Um, you know, that first book to get a book published is massive. You know, it's it's should never underestimate what it's like to open that packet or that box, have that smell of new books, and see your book with your name on it. It's unreal, absolutely unreal. And the fact that a publisher would have the faith in you to want to publish your book, that's also absolutely extraordinary. So that's that was the big one, that How to Be Brilliant was published, and it did really well. And that did really well very quickly. That went to the top 10 business books after about three weeks after launch. And and I so I'm thinking, oh, that's what happens when you write a book. It goes into the top ten business books, stays there for two years and four months, and and then I wrote my next book. It didn't do anything. The one after that was did quite well, but not brilliantly. And then the next one after that was was flip it. So it's it's hard work. It's it's hard work, but when it works, when it comes off, it's the most rewarding thing ever. Uh, I know you've got a Facebook group at the moment about writing books. Um, I know yeah. because I've joined it. They say everybody's got a book inside them. I've got a book inside me, and it's really uncomfortable. I need to get it out there. <laughs> so any any top tips apart from joining yeah. your group in terms of getting people writing? 
Do you know what, Paul? It's, it's interesting that people, everyone has that expression. And I, I wrote about it in my newsletter that everybody has a book inside them and it's just getting it out. The real worry is if somebody wants to put it back again. <laughs> so, that's what should really worry you. you. You know what? I The reason that we're doing that group is we started a Facebook group called How To Be Brilliant. We've got 2,000 members. It's doing really well. Huge engagement. Loads of people sharing stuff. And I contacted the the 100 most active people in the group and I said to them look what what do you think we should do next and I I gave a whole bunch of different ideas writing a book was by far I mean not just by a little bit by a mile the thing that people wanted how to do it now I've been coaching people on how to write a book for years and I've had a great success rate Mm. a really good success rate I get around about 60% of people who are coached get their books published which is massive. And I realized I've actually got a, a formula to do that. There's a system, there's a process to do it. And and it starts with good writing. You've got to be good at writing, but there's ways to learn how to do that. And you can learn how to do it quite quickly. There's ways to format stuff so that people want to read it. Yeah. You know, And I do this thing called writing so people want to read. And there's ways to promote your book so that a publisher will pick it up. But even if they don't, so that you could still sell it yourself and it will massively increase your credibility it will the intellectual property will then be instantly related to you because you wrote the book the credibility is through the through the roof it's incredible so so yeah so we wrote so we've created this book um book group and it's called write that book because i think that's what people say come on gotta write that book so i'll just keep it simple write that book i launched it this morning as i look now we have 94 people have joined in the first three hours it's incredible and and what we're going to do is we're going to run a challenge and the challenge will be coaching people every day on a technique for writing and to how to get published and to understanding what's your promise and how to write a great title and understanding content and that type of thing. And we're going to do yeah. a challenge every day and that's that's going to start May the 11th at launches, but join before then. Join before then. So it's, it's Facebook slash groups slash... Um, write that book group. Write that book group. That's what you need. Just look up. Write that book group. You'll find it. Brilliant. And um, and then and at the end of this, we want people to have tools and techniques that they can use straight away, put into practice straight away. But you know what's going to do more than anything, Paul? It's going to make people accountable. Yeah. So I think if you can get people excited about the idea of writing and then being part of a group where everybody is encouraging you to write, that's how you're going to get the book done. And later on, we can sort out grammar, and later on, we can get you in touch with a proofreader, and later on, we can work out how we're going to market it and all that type of stuff. But right now, get in the group and start thinking and creating your book. I'm ex- I'm so excited about it, I can't tell you. Yeah, and, and I'm really looking forward to being part of that group as well because you know somebody said to me a few years ago, look, if you want to write a book, the best thing to do is just start writing. Yeah. And and I one of the challenges I want people to write five hundred words of shit. <laughs> Just write five hundred words of, of absolute rubbish. Your worst thing. Go for it. Because if you can sit down and write five hundred words of anything, there's some good stuff's going to be in there, whether you like it or yeah. not. There's some good stuff. And then you go through it, and then you go say, okay, which are my hundred best words? I mean, I'm doing the stuff that your people are going to get on the group now. But it's like you find those hundred best words, and you go, if I can write a hundred great words, I could I do that ten times? If I can do that, yeah, I can write a thousand words. So I've written a chapter, a little mini chapter there. Thousand words is a mini chapter, and if I did that, um, you know, two or three times, well, that's a good meaty chapter now. I've got some really good stuff, and there's my first chapter done. That's all you need to get the book deal. 
Don't write the book before you go and get the deal. It's pointless. Get the deal, then write the book. Because then you'll be writing with a publisher who will help you. If you write the whole book and then go and get the deal, the publisher's going to come back to you and say, actually, can you do a bit more like this? Uh, I like the idea of it, but we need we, we publish how-to books. So can you make it a bit more how-to? You've got to go through the whole thing and do it again anyway. So I show people how to get the deal before they've written the book. And then I tell you what, when you've got a deal, yeah, you've got a deal in the publisher, you're going to write the book. <laughs> then you're definitely being held accountable, aren't you? Especially when you've been paid in advance and you've signed a contract. That's a very good yeah. incentive. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it can be challenging enough just writing one book, but I understand you are writing three books at the moment. I'm writing three books simultaneously. Massive mistake. I'm not following my own advice. I came up with an idea for a book, which I thought was was brilliant, but I'm it's difficult getting a bite from a publisher. So I might do my first ever self-published with this. I'm just working on the, the concept at the moment, and it's called The 40-Year Apprentice. And the idea is that the first 40 years of your life were all your apprenticeship. That was just to help you to get to where you are now so the next 40 years of your life are going to be the best ever. And what we can learn from that apprenticeship and what we can put into place. So it's it's so, when you think about it, the vast majority of people who read books are in their 40s plus anyway. I think it's a great concept. I love the idea. Publishers don't get their heads around it. They're thinking, like my publisher, Pearson, who published you know, five out of my six books, said, yeah. well, what if, what if you're under 40? I said, well, it's not for you. I was like, well, what, what, what? Well, I said, people write books that are about how to do plant-based eating. They're not for people who are carnivores. <laughs> and people who do 100 meat recipes, it's not for people who are into plant-based eating. This is, you, gotta, you can't sell books to everybody. And they went, no. yeah, but W.H. Smith's one too. And Amazon one too. So, so that's the first one. The second one is a um, one that I came up with because I, I woke up one morning, and um, this is this is so typical of me. You know these people who that they're, they're up at five o'clock and they're going to beat the day. And my competitive van- advantage is I'm in the office for six and all that type of stuff. I am not that person at all. Sometimes I'm lucky if I'm up by the crack of ten. You know, I just kinda, <laughs> I can stay. Up, I'll stay up late. I can stay up writing until three in the morning. No yeah. problem at all. But I'm not a morning person. Anyway, I woke up this morning and um, I was like, oh, I've got to get up. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna have half an hour more. Then I went, Come on, Michael, you're better than that. Oh, and I thought, You're better than that. That's a good title. You're better than that. So I came up with this idea about writing a book about being better. That you know, you've always got that little bit more. You can do it. And having like a hundred ideas. Yeah. And I have this little test group of people who I send stuff to, and they're and, and they're wonderful because they're so honest, <laughs> which I also which I also slightly hate. Brutally so honest, honest. Uh, brutally honest. Yeah. So I sent out to the test group, and they came back, and like four out of five people said the same thing, which is sounds like you've been told off. <laughs> you know, like, come on, you're better than that. It's that type of thing. So I changed it to why you're better than you think. And actually, it's our thinking that stops us from doing stuff. Yeah. So it's 100 ideas why you're better than you think. And that one, I just write a one every so often. So that could take me two years to write. It doesn't matter. I'm just But those ideas pop into my head. Oh, you, why are you better than you think at that? Why are you better? Oh, why are you better than you think at presenting, at broadcasting, at creating content, mm. at designing things, at building relationships, at writing? There's, you're better than you think at a lot of things, as long as you know how. So that's this second idea. And then the third one, I'm writing a fiction book, which I cannot tell you about. It's top secret, <laughs> but but it's I laugh when I write it. It's a funny book, and and it's you know about a 28 year old bloke, 
and this experience that he goes through. And as I'm writing it, I, pro- I laugh out loud myself, which I'm not sure if it's an ego thing. And only two people have actually read the first two chapters, and they've both said the same thing, which is, Michael, it's wicked. It's really good. It's really funny. It needs to be tightened up a bit. You need to do a few things with it. But, you know, that might be my next, that might be my next published one. Oh, you a know, fiction book. you can't beat a book that makes you laugh out loud. Uh, there, are, there are very few, you know, funny books that make me laugh out loud. Uh, I think the one that I always remember, and I was almost crying. I was on a train. I was almost crying with laughter was Terry Pratchett's book, uh, one of the Discworld novels. And it was when yeah. he was talking about um, the, the the dog that talks uh, and the dog was just going, woof. <laughs> and I just burst out laughing on the train and people were looking and it was just so joyful to read a book like that that makes you laugh out loud. I love it. Love it when that happens. You know, it's kind of, you see these people and they say, um, you know, I think it was a, I think it might have been a, a Jim Rohn quote or a Bob Proctor quote or something like that. And they said, um, which fiction books do you read? And he goes, I haven't read all the fact yet. And I was like, oh, you bore, bore off. You know what? Read some fiction, chill out, escape, let your brain go somewhere a bit different. And then, and then read some fact. Yeah. Yeah, well, of course you need to do that. You know, I often talk to people about learning and, you know, as a business coach, we're talking about people you've got to learn before you can earn. And then somebody will come up and say, yeah, yeah, I've got a pile of 10 business books that I'm reading at the moment. And it's like, I can't read one, let alone 10. (laughs) How can you read 10 You know what, it's it's the showing off thing with books, though, isn't it? I mean... Right now, we're, we're, we can see each other on Zoom. Obviously, on the podcast, people won't be able to see. Yeah. But but my background, you know, if you were to describe what you could see, you'll say, Michael sat there with hundreds of books around him. I'm in my library at, at my office, which is a library, and I've got over a 1,000 books in here. Um, I've been doing probably three or four years now of Zoom calls, and it was always lovely to have that in the background. Here we are in lockdown now, and you know what these people have been known as? Bookshelf wankers. <laughs> People who come on to a Zoom call with their books behind them on the BBC or Sky or even in a Zoom meeting or whatever, and they've got all their books there, people are like, bookshelf wanker. <laughs> <laughs> so I've become a bookshelf wanker without even knowing it. It's one of the things when I moved into our, um, I'm in my spare room now, our small box room at home. I call it my corner office because it's on the corner of an end terrace. So I've got windows looking out in two directions. So I've got this sumptuous oh, corner office. And I thought, well, I need to get a bookshelf in at the back for when I'm doing these Zoom calls and my, you know, like the coaching and stuff. So, but I'm glad I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smart move. Yeah. Don't do a virtual background. I've, I've got the important one there, though. Michael. Yeah, I can see that. He's got How to Be Brilliant right there. 10th anniversary edition. Yeah. That was, um, yeah, that was in there. I con- That's where I make the confession where I told a lie to get a book deal. Uh, tell and, us more um, about that. It, well, do you know, it's like I'd set a goal that I was going to get this book deal and I was quite excited about about doing it and I met somebody um and I gave him a set of audio tapes as a as a thank you it's a guy called um uh, David <laughs> David's surname is gone god it's terrible I'll remember his name in a second um I'm thinking David Brown but it wasn't David Brown it was David Dudar who was director of people at Pearson and um he said oh he looks at this um, audio program and he went is this a book it's like, no, he went, oh, it should be. Let me introduce you to a publisher. 
So he introduced me to a lady called uh, Rachel Stock, and I met her at the Malmaison Hotel in Leeds. And we started talking about this idea for how to be brilliant. And she said, look, I love the idea. I think it's great. I've had a look at your newsletters. I've had a look at what you do. You can write. I'm excited about it. I think we want to do it. I said, oh, brilliant. Um, so when can it be published? And she went, well, I think we're looking at probably um, April or May next year. And this was just before Easter. It was April. I was like, over a year? And she went, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, we're pretty full at the moment. You know, we've got quite a, it takes a long time and we've got um, authors who are waiting to go through the process. We can only launch so many at a time. And I was like, oh, that's a real shame. I was hoping it could be published this year. And she was like, well, there's no way. Oh, actually, unless the manuscript was already written because I've had one author who's dropped out because he's not going to hit his target. So he's missed his slot. So if you if it was written, then, and I went, yeah, it is. She went, Oh, you've not mentioned that. I went, yeah, 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 it's done. It's written. It's all finished. She was like, why didn't you say? I was like, oh, I just didn't think it would be of interest. She was like, have you honestly got this written? I was like, yeah. So could you get me the manuscript by Tuesday next week? I was like, yeah, no problem. This is Thursday, Easter weekend coming up. I said, yeah, no problem at all. And I got in the car and I rang Christine. I was about an hour and a half away to drive home. And I said, Christine, cancel everything this weekend. We're writing a book. <laughs> and we, we wrote How to Be Brilliant in four days. Wow. And uh, deli- hand delivered the manuscript, and and then years later, I I confessed. It was when I was actually doing the tenth anniversary edition. I got in touch with Rachel. I said, "Look, I'm going to put this bit in about how I told a little lie. I hope you don't mind." She went, "Michael, I knew you were telling a lie <laughs> when you told the lie." I was like, "Really?" She says, "Yeah, but I knew you'd do it. You had such a determination. You had such a look in your eye. I thought this guy is going to write that book, and it's going to be great." So. Four days to write the first book. My last book took four years. So how long is your average book? You, I mean, your last book was The Edge. The Edge, yeah. That was the four-year one. Wow. And the reason why it took four years is because I, I interviewed 200 people about what makes them an edger, yeah. what gives them that edge. Because And it was like how, the subtitle is How the Best Get Better. So it was always talking to people who were already really good at what they do and kind of go, what do they do to get the edge? Yeah. And the interesting thing, Paul, is that I probably could have talked to 10 people because out of the 200, like 195 of them were all doing the same things, which was good for me because it meant that I could say, all right, here's what edges do, not here's what this one person does or this other person does. Yeah. And kind of the craziest example is where one day I interviewed a guy called Danny Mayer, who is the world's greatest restaurateur. <clears throat> he's, um, he's, he's incredible. And then the next day I interviewed a guy called General Sir Mike Jackson, and General Sir Mike Jackson um, was head of the British Army. And I looked at their answers. We have these sheets where we'd have um, we've got a set of questions that we would ask. And um, they could almost swap jobs yeah. and still have given the same answers. General Sir Mike Jackson could be a restaurateur. Um, Danny Mayer could run an army because they're, it's their thinking. Yeah. That's the thing. It's their thinking. That's what I want to tap into. Yeah, and I was listening to your um, webinar that you did for a group of action coaches last Friday, and you were talking about um, having spoken to some of the edges about what they're doing right now in in the current situation with what we've got, and there were three or four really yeah. good points that came out of that. I was, I, you know, I really enjoyed doing that action coach webinar. It was it was brilliant. So yes, yeah, so I contacted a, a bunch of edges about fifteen recently. I just sent them an email and said, "Look, you're an edger. You're in my book." I'm thinking about doing another version of The Edge later on. And what are you focusing on right now? And there were sort of four themes that came out. And the first one was that they were dis- they were making decisions. They weren't hanging about. They were deciding. And being prepared to change their minds if they needed to, 
but actually saying, you know what, we're going to decide to do this. This is our new way of working, or this is how we're going to reintroduce things. This is what we're going to invest in. These are the people who we're going to recruit. These are the people who we're going to lose. They were making making decisions. The next thing was communication. And for most of the ones who were leading businesses, it was daily communication. Every single day, talking to everybody, suppliers, um, stakeholders, staff, um, you know, customers, everybody just talking all the time. The next thing was getting ready so that when things do start to come back, they would be ready for whatever that looked like. And one of the best examples is we work with an amazing organization called Vanarama. And Vanarama do van and car leasing. And they are so ready for whatever ready looks like, mm. whatever the new thing looks like. I've never known anything like it. It's incredible. And then the other thing is investing. So investing money and investing time in new thinking and new ways of working. Yeah. And you know we're very fortunate because every single one of my coaching clients during this whole process has said, yeah, we want to keep going which is great also everybody who had us booked to do a keynote or an in-house training we offered them refunds not one of them asked for the money back wow they all said no we'll keep we'll just hold on to it let's just change the date yeah. and we'll maybe do it something in september or we'll do something later on in the year but not not one of them asked for their money back yeah. i was like that is just brilliant these are the organizations you want to work with because they understand how important it's going to be to keep keep investing. So th there was a bunch of things, but they were the four that I jumped out that uh, that I shared with the uh, people from Action Coach the other day. Yeah, you know, I've had a similar thing with our clients. So I've got a fantastic group of clients that we work with here at Action Coach Bolton. And, and the one thing is they're all forward-facing, they're all looking forwards, they're all planning, they're all... Um, not just investing, you know, for those who have got cash reserves, they're investing in themselves and the future and the team. But even if, if they don't have the money, they're investing in learning, you know, they're doing what they can to get themselves ready for, as you say, whatever is going to be. I hate to use those words, the new normal, because it seems to be, you know, everybody's using the cliche of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that and pivoting. But, yeah. But, you know, the other thing, Paul, is do you find that even if you learn the wrong thing, by learning, you've become a better person anyway. Yeah. So kind of people are, there's a guy called Jeffrey Gittimer and he talks about whiners, winners, and watchers. And whiners will always be whiners. You know, they're just those people, they're going to they're gonna complain about everything. You know, right now, oh, it's kind of, they could say, welcome back to work, he's a golden pig. And they'd kind of go, I'd rather have silver. They're those type of people. Yeah. And then you've got the, the winners, and which is kind of the people who we want to appeal to. And they're, yeah, they're going to find a way. They're going to do stuff. They'll make things happen. But the interesting group are the watchers. And the watchers, they don't complain about stuff. They always talk a, They always talk a good job. But they're watching. They're not making any decisions. They're not actually doing anything. Yeah. They just watch. And when, when things do come back or whatever it's going to be, they're going to go, oh, what happened? Oh, I, I saw that. Oh, yeah, I saw I knew that was coming. Well, what did you do about it? Nothing. Yeah. You just saw it was coming. Yeah, because you're a watcher. And I love that, and I thought that is so true. And I could see different types of people being the you know the whiners, the winners, and the watchers. And whiners, they'll always be whiners. Winners will always be winners. The the big important group are the watchers. Yeah, they're the ones that can change. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, really interesting. Some of the stuff in the Edge is brilliant. I'd, I'd encourage anybody to get a, get hold of a copy of the Edge and, and read it. There's some really really good content in there. Some really good insights in there for everybody. Um, I know you. on the on the webinar as well, you talked about um, broadcasting and, and getting yourself out there. Obviously, we're doing this podcast now. Um, we're out on Facebook Live. Um, I know you've just been accepted on LinkedIn. You've started doing LinkedIn Live as well. 
you have some yeah. tips for people who are, who are maybe looking at getting into the video and broadcasting sort of area? Uh, start. Just do it. I mean, seriously, this is... Think about this. Can you imagine anybody ever doing a conference call again that isn't done via Zoom or something like that? The old days where we dialed in. <laughs> so always, you know, the only people who will be diving in will be on the M6, stuck. Yeah. And even then, they'll probably go in on their phones. So the so web and web stuff and video on web, if you think it's big now, that is cliche of the year, the new normal. Some people come across brilliantly. Other people look terrible. The old up-the-nose shot, people with the light behind them, you know, the unmade bed, dressing gown hanging on the corner of a door. Think about it. You, my first bit of advice is imagine you were there live in the office with the client or with your colleagues or wherever. How would you dress? How would you look? What would you do? Second thing is get a, get a bit of kit. Get a reasonable bit of kit. It doesn't have to be the most amazing stuff ever, but just you know some decent lights, a good camera. If you can buy a good camera these days, by the way, it's it's a miracle. <laughs> I think there's a bit of it's been a bit of a surge on people buying good cameras. But put put your name down for one, even if it's a four week delivery. Get a good Logitech one or something like that. Um, and then I did a webinar um, called How to Be Brilliant at Broadcasting, and it's there for people to watch as a watch again. It's on my YouTube channel. So there's another thing. I hardly ever use YouTube. I did this one webinar, broadcast it, and then did it live into YouTube. I think at the moment, maybe 700 people have watched it in the last three or four days. It's it's staggering. It's I I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've got no clue about the marketing element of it. Mm. There are people who are much, much better than me, much, much brighter than me, who will tell you about marketing using video. Yeah. But as a medium to get your message across as a medium to learn to be comfortable. Great. And the big thing is, if you can, go live. Yeah. So if you're on Facebook and you've got a Facebook group or a Facebook community, go live in there. And Facebook will whack you right up to the top of the um, of the, of the views. They're going to show you to more people because you went live. Even if they weren't watching you live, they're going to get a chance to watch the repeats. Um, Instagram, go live. Uh, I was invited by... LinkedIn. I didn't even. I kind of knew this was a thing. I've seen other people do them. I wasn't quite sure how you did it. And I got an email from LinkedIn on Saturday morning. Um, Dear Michael Heppel, would like to invite you to um, be part of our LinkedIn Live community. I was like, all right, okay, thank you. I'll, I'll do that. Then I had a little look, and somebody went, you know, there's only about one in a thousand users can do lives. I was like, okay, I better do some. So I, I'm going to do one every other day on LinkedIn and just talk about stuff. And when you do a live. You don't have to be super tight. You don't have to. It's not like a like a training course. So you kind of go, one second, I'm just going to look that up. I'll just get that book from behind me. Yeah. Um, what was the name of the person? Uh, you know, you can kind of do all that type of stuff in a live. Nobody cares. No. Because it's just, they're just like watching you in your little world for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think one yeah. of the biggest pieces of advice for me is just be yourself. You know, I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of different people doing Facebook Lives. Now I started probably about three weeks ago doing Facebook Lives. Um, and, and the worst thing you can do is try to be somebody else. We've got another coach yeah. who's a great friend of mine, and he won't mind me saying he's 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 really up for it. He's, he's upbeat, he's motivational. You know, he talks about mastering the morning every morning, and he's up there and ready for it. And the first time I did a Facebook Live, I was trying to do the same thing, but it's just not me, <laughs> you know? No. So be yourself. Yeah. yeah. 
be yourself. And and because the thing is, when you're yourself, you don't have to remember to be anybody else. And just do stuff like say, I don't know. And don't make up stuff. Here's the classic thing. A lot of people have been asking me recently, you know, no, they haven't. Nobody's asked you recently about it. That's you that's you making up some shit so that somebody's gonna you know so you can talk about something that's of interest to you. You know, it's a classic I think it's like an Instagram meme, isn't it? A lot of people have been asking me about my ski skincare regime. <laughs> you know, I saw someone do a, a live the other day and they went, A lot of people have been asking me how I started my business. Oh, they haven't. <laughs> Nobody gives a chuff about how you started your business. You did the same thing as everybody else when they started the business. You had an idea. You thought you'd go for it. You thought you were going to go bust six times. <laughs> and eventually a, a miracle happened and you're still here. That's the story. So what? <sighs> unless you're shoe dog, <laughs> unless it's the story of Nike, then nobody cares about your business. So I do things now. I'll just kind of go. Um, so I've got nothing to talk about today. So I've had to have had to make something up. And what I thought I would do is just kind of think about, you know, what what's really entertained me in the last couple of days. And then suddenly something pops into your head, and then you start talking about it. And then the next thing you know, you're 15 minutes in. Great. Yeah, yeah. That's all people care about. They just want it. They want a, a human. Yeah, like, I, I think the the, watching. the biggest concern, the biggest challenge for most people is coming up with content. And I think it was you on the broadcasting webinar who said, just pick up your phone, have a look at your photographs. All your photographs in your phone, you will find content immediately there. Yeah. There's so much content in those photographs. That's how I write my newsletters. People kind of go, so how many newsletters do you send out a week? And I say, well, I'll send one out to the main list. And I have two other sub lists that I send stuff out to. And I go, how do you think of the content? It's easy. Look at my phone. I also have a thing. I go, um, I'll not say the words because I'll start a record, but I can either do it with Alexa or I can also do it with Siri. And um, just say to them, take a note, take a message. Yeah. And then suddenly up it pops and it's there. And I'll kind of go, oh, I need an idea for a newsletter. Go into my notes and there it is. You know, oh, that was a good idea. Sometimes, though, I'll, I'll say idea for newsletter. It's a bit like, you know, Alan Partridge. <laughs> idea for news show. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you kind of, you'll do so idea for newsletter. Um, and then I'll, then I'll say something. Then two weeks later, I'll look at it and go, idea for newsletter. Pigeon round creased back. <laughs> pigeon round creased back. Pigeon. Pigeon round creased back. I haven't got a and clue what pigeon round creased back. At the time, it was brilliant. Yeah. Two weeks later, it's gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I write note, I write random notes for myself and go back through my notes afterwards, and I haven't got a, I haven't got the foggiest idea what they were about. <laughs> you know, I watch a webinar, write a load of notes down, and then go back through them the day after. I end up having to watch the webinar over again just to remind myself what the notes were. Yeah, I have to mind map. If I just take notes, all I'm doing is writing down quotes. Yeah. If I do a mind map, I write down learning. Yeah. What a brilliant idea! What a great idea! I used to do mind maps. Don't do them now. That's my hint of the day now. Excellent. Absolutely. Get back into mind maps. Yeah, definitely. Tony Tony Bazan. Michael, we're coming up towards the end of, of our, our time now. It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. If there was one tip that you could leave for, for our business owner community right now, um, what do you think one tip would be to help them move forward with a business right now? I would say um, make decisions. Don't hang about. You can't wait for all the data. You can't wait all the time. Make some decisions, even if you have to change your mind later. Because people are looking for certainty. Yeah. And anybody who is a leader, who is leading, who is making decisions, who is saying this is how it needs to be, are getting followers. So your customers want to be led. 
your staff want to be led. And to do that, we have to create certainty. And one of the best ways to create certainty is to make some decisions. Brilliant. Uh, that takes us right back to Flip It because there was a little um, story that you told in Flip It when you were on the Chris Evans show about the coin. Let's yeah. finish with that story. It's, so basically, this is when you are in two minds about something. And the classic thing is, well, I'll toss a coin. And what we suggest people do in Flip It is that you decide, okay, A, we're going to do this. B, we're going to do that. A, will be heads. Bs will be tails. You flick the coin and then you catch the coin and you don't look at it. Or get somebody else to flick the coin and then don't look at it. Because when the coin is in the air, you've already made your mind up. You want it to land on heads or you want it to land on tails. And that's your intuition. And your intuition is always right. Amazing. Michael, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you for the last half hour. I would encourage everybody to, to visit Michael's website, michaelheppel.com. Um, michaelheppel.com. Or, jo- or join, the, join the Facebook. If you're on Facebook group, come and have a little look um, in, in there. It's, you know, how to be brilliant is our main one. 2,000 people in there. It is the beacon of positivity. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. We do a thing called Trade on Tuesday where people pitch their businesses. We've had people selling stuff. We have people getting new customers. It's great. On a Monday, we do Magic Monday, Wellness Wednesday, Thoughtful Thursday, Fix It Friday. <laughs> I mean, every day we have something happening on there. And then if you want to write a book, then um, write that book group. Join there. And um, that is going to be absolutely awesome. I'm so excited about that. I can't tell you. I'm really looking forward to that. Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Paul.